eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. So we're back after a week off with a bit of scheduling trouble. It's not just us. It's also college football as well. It's kind of overspilling with the scheduling issues. Um, and we're back. We're mainly going to focus on the SEC today after the kickoff on the weekend um, for the Southeastern Conference. Obviously, we're back with everyone else. We've got Rob, we've got Liam, uh, we've got Andy as well. And also our resident SEC fan, uh, very vocal SEC fan at that. And, uh, you know, don't ruin everything for what we've got set up for later on, Kieran. But what happened to the champs on the weekend? Give you four words. Mike Leach, Air Raid. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a show, wasn't it, really? It, yeah, we, you know, we, we get into it when we wrap up the game, and I'll explain exactly what LSU did wrong and exactly what Mississippi State did right. Looking forward to it. I'm sure everyone else who's listening is as well. Everyone else, everyone else doing well after the weekend? Kind of a mixed bag of results, I think, for, for everyone. <laughs> Good Saturday, bad Sunday for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can, uh, can kind of go along with that, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lovely stuff. So, like I say, we're going to be talking about the SEC mainly today. So, um, we'll start off with a few games outside the SEC, just for our usual weekend review. I'm going to kick us off, actually. I don't usually start, but I'll, I'll start us off this today. Um, by talking about Lincoln Riley, Spencer Rattler, and the Sooners and their shock defeat to Kansas State. Kansas State put up 17 on the points in the fourth, and it was a really unexpected defeat for Oklahoma. Um, they were 27.5 point favourites uh, to begin this one, so that just shows you how big of an upset this one was. Obviously, the main talking point when we talk, talk about Oklahoma these days is Spencer Rattler, the young quarterback. Um, looked pretty good. Um, looked like he was able to sling it wherever he wanted to for a lot of the time. Obviously, quite an offensive game. Obviously, Big 12 don't, don't play much defence, so... Yeah, he was he was doing he was doing a lot of good things. Um, couple of couple of picks, one was kind of bite down at the line. So you know you can kind of not put too much blame on him for that one. Uh, but the second one was underthrown, which is not something you expect of uh, someone with Rattler's arm strength. Um, elsewhere, it just didn't seem to go really well for Oklahoma. Really, you know, bad for, bad snaps from Creed Humphrey at center. You know, we talked about him as a potential first round pick and. As much as Alex Grinch is a really good defensive mind, and we talked about him last year on the pod as well, that they just don't seem to have replaced the likes of Neville Gallimore, Parnell Motley, and Kent Murray. So the Sooners' deed doesn't have enough star power for me. Um, so yeah, quite a lot going wrong with Oklahoma on the defensive side of the ball this year. Uh, first, not even a big test really, but you know, just fell short and let this one slip through the fingers. On a positive note, uh, I like Marvin Mims, the wide receiver, and. Drake Stoops, the son of legendary Oklahoma coach Bob Stoops, was quite good as well. Uh, 93 receiving yards, caught score. Marvin Mims got a couple. Yeah, I mean, bogey game or what, isn't it? Um, mm. You know, we all have, all, all the teams that we support have bogey teams. Uh, I know rife of it uh, over here with, in the soccer, uh, we all have a bogey team. But definitely Kansas State for them, two years in a row, they've done it over Oklahoma. Mm. It's just incredible. For, for a team that is not, not a good college when it comes cool. to football really um so to, to to yeah to do them over twice in two years is just just fantastic but uh, yeah bogey team for, for Oklahoma yeah a little bit of a kryptonite there I think Oklahoma were basically exposed on a lot of long plays that either went for TDs or came up just short and then Skyler Thompson the uh, Wildcats quarterback came in and just ran it in from a, from a short yarded situation 
he uh, put quite a few, um, well, put quite a lot of good numbers, actually, you know, 334 yards and a touchdown through the air. And just to show that sort of short field prowess that he had, he had nine attempts with 10 yards and three scores on the ground. So that's where those uh, big guys like Neville Gallimore and uh, uh, Kenneth Murray would have come in, in handy at those short yard situations. So, yeah, shock result. But I thought Oakland were really sloppy. A lot of really bad tackles when you watch this back. Um, you know, just, just not even wrapping up, not even attempting to wrap up and just letting the Kansas State players just walk through for long, long gains uh, on the ground and through the air as well. So, like I say, uh, let's one slip through the fingers in the air. Rob's definitely right. A uh, bit, bit of a bogey team there for the Sooners. Uh, talking about a uh, bogey team, I think Fuller State are on bogey team really now, aren't they, Andy? <laughs> I don't think there's anyone we're going to win this year. Could be a, it could be a zero-win season based on what I've seen so far. But... Uh... Yeah, I don't think even that's that's not even an exaggeration, is it? But uh, well, it's all right, mate. You've got Jacksonville State this week. You should that, win there. <laughs> well, you, you you think, wouldn't you? But uh, that's why I've not taken you up on your on your trade offer yet, mate. I'm not quite sure whether. I'm <laughs> um, yeah, it was a bleak uh, a bleak evening to be to be honest. Um, it was a combination of things, really. Miami looked really good, uh, which obviously pains me to say. Um, and then there was just shoddy uh, like O-line work. No ability to bring King down or get any pressure on him. Zero sacks, five tackles for a loss in the in a college game. It's just not good enough when, you, when you're Florida State's caliber, is it really? Um, all three quarterbacks uh, that came into the game for FSU threw a pick. And that Jordan Travis one, which I uh, tweeted as well, was probably the, one of the worst picks I've, I've ever seen in a Mm. game of uh, college football or any football for honest just just running running back towards his own goal line and just chucked it over his shoulder straight into the arms of a uh, defender like 10 yards away who, who <laughs> wasn't expecting anything of, of the play at all but it landed in his lap um, yeah and then the rest of the rest of the stats just like paint the picture don't they really uh, no no receptions for uh, Tamori and Terry at all uh, yeah, I mean, it's just bleak, really. Miami looked incredibly good. Uh, De'Eric King uh, moving around in the pocket, throwing, uh, throwing balls wherever he wanted, really. T- took on uh, Asante Samuel, who we've mentioned as a, as a, like, a rare, um, bright point in the first game of the season. But uh, he, he looked like he couldn't uh, handle any of the Miami receivers either this game as well. So, yeah, um, all in all, just a pretty bleak day for an FSU fan. But, but Miami have got a lot to be positive about and uh, and yeah be looking forward to them to taking on some of the uh, the informed teams in the ACC as well mm. yeah not the not the start to the Mike Norvell era that, that we wanted really is it for FSU no he was like, at home as well yeah he, he got uh, on the COVID list or whatever wasn't he so he wasn't even mm. there and then mm. uh, yeah grim but uh, yeah we're, hopefully there's uh, positive things in the future but not looking great at the moment yeah, you've got to hope that you know it's a, it's a slow build and it's it's going to get better over time because he's definitely shown it in the past, hasn't he? At Memphis and things like that, that he's, he can definitely coach. And you'd like to think that Florida State are able to recruit more yeah. talented players, especially in Florida. You know that the, the Memphis can get um, you know being a much smaller school. That's it, mate. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah going to be a long, a slow burner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so staying in Florida, then Rob's going to tell us about UCF. So Dylan Gabriel's putting up some nice numbers there at QB. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel had a really good game. Uh, over 400 yards, four touchdowns on the day. Um, UCF being their usual boisterous AAT self, boy bullying the uh, the lesser known quantities in that in that conference. But 
it was a game that I watched because, as everyone knows by now, I'm a bit of a, a, a you know a bit of a fantasy fanatic, and we've got our college fantasy league, which I'm really into now. I'm three and zero. And yeah, it's, I had a couple of players in it, so I thought, you know, I'll switch this on and watch it. I don't watch too much UCF, um, and I was impressed. They were they were very good. They were um, very clinical. Um, like we said, Dylan Gabriel was good. Um, Marlon Williams, who was you know the guy on my fantasy team, he is just like hyper targeted um, out of the slot. Um, yeah, it's definitely the first read for Dylan Gabriel, um, and he's just got a really good yak ability. Uh, he went for 13 receptions, 136 yards, uh, no touchdowns, however. But he's just, yeah, he's, he's the Keenan Allen type guy uh, over the middle who's just fed targets all the time. Uh, also impressed by Holton Aders, the quarterback for East Carolina. He can move the ball. He's a pretty talented dude. Um, but, you know, he's definitely the shining light in that East Carolina Pirates team. Um, they didn't show much else, though, to be honest. They're, they're kind of an average middle-of-the-road team um, that got beat by a very good UCF team. It was a good watch, um, and I'd definitely be flicking on the UCF team again uh, to, to watch them. Yeah, fair few points in that one, wasn't there? Um, with uh, yeah. UCF putting up 51 on 28 to Carolina, East Carolina. Yes. Uh, Jalen Robinson, 250 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Surprised you didn't mention him as well. Guess he's not in your fantasy team. Uh, he's not, no, but yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> nine, nine receptions, 150 yards, two two touchdowns. Uh, pr- very good day for Jay. Jalen Robinson was getting all the red zone work, um, whereas it, it, would, it was typically... I, th- I think I remember it being there was six uh, receptions in a row for Marlon Williams, and then it went to Jalen Robinson in the end, <laughs> end zone. And I'm thinking there from a fancy team, thinking, "Oh, come on, mm. you could have just finished it off." Uh, but then Jalen Robinson went for a, a long one the, the next drive. He was like a 75 yard touchdown potentially. So, um, so yeah, he had a really good game. Two wide receivers that just bullied the cornerbacks um, from East Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was it was easy going. It was. The, it's one of those games where the score was never in doubt. You knew UACF was going to win. You knew they were going to cover. Um, it was just, it was just a good watch for the neutral. Yeah, golfing class. But yeah, like you say, lots of points yeah. and, and good plays. Yep. Right then, so we'll get into our SEC uh, review, and uh, the Kieran's covering his face on camera on Zoom. Um, let's start with it then. So, Kieran, tell us all about it. You obviously had a, a few bits to talk about with LSU. You said you were going to talk about what was going wrong. And you've also been saying in our group chat today that you wanted to talk about Mississippi State a little bit and you had a few little bits and pieces to say about them. So, over to you, really. Yeah, I'm going to open with a question which will really <laughs> put into perspective how this air raid system do you want works. Some, do you want some violin music? Lee, can you just Go put in it. some violin music here? So... <laughs> Do any of you guys know how many Washington State, which is Mike Leach's old team, do you know how many receivers they've had drafted in, in the last two years? I'm Seven. struggling to think of one. But I reckon I've got one. Zero. Was Desmond Patman not drafted last year? Not, not Washington no, he was a free State. Agent. He was a free okay. agent. They have had no receivers drafted, yet consistently with this system put up top five yards and a massive amount of passing touchdowns. Mm. And now they go to Mississippi State and tore us he, up. He was drafted. He was drafted in the sixth round. Desmond Patman. Yeah, sorry. Well, there we go. That is way off. <laughs> there we go. One. Myself. one. It's, it's still not many when you see how much they passed. No, it's not. You, you have a point, definitely. So if you know about Mike Leach, he started off in the SEC with University of Kentucky, and that's where they sort of adopted the air raid system, and it was very effective. He honed that, 
uh, other teams he's been to, and it's really dangerous. What LSU needed to do was keep them off the field. That's how you beat the air raid. You control time of possession, you keep them off the field. Because if you look at Mississippi State, technically they only had nine yards of rushing because of all the sacks. They had nine yards of rushing and won the game by 10 points. I can't explain how pissed off I am about That's that. That's Mike Leach for you, though, right? Yeah. They moved the ball perfectly. Stingley was out. I'm pretty sure uh, Mike Leach poisoned him because he had an allergic <laughs> reaction to some <laughs> Allegedly. Before we get people's lawyers involved again, like we were talking about the other week. Allegedly. Um, pretty sure Mike Leach allegedly poisoned him, and they exposed Cordell Flott all game. He was, he was getting beat at the line, and he was getting beat over the top. He was getting beat underneath. He was getting beat on corner routes, post routes, every single route. He got beaten almost every single time. He was struggling to knock balls out. He was struggling to make tackles. He couldn't get off the line with the receivers either. And the big balls of Kevin Costello to just let that ball fly, 600-plus yards. Are you crazy? This was a ridiculous game. Now, you guys are going to scoff at me. I don't think we lose if Stingley's in that <laughs> do game. Do we do that? <laughs> LSU, come on. Um, I don't think we lose if Stingley's in the game personally because 10 points really isn't a big deficit. And Cordell Flott, who took Stingley's place, was the guy constantly getting exposed. Stingley does not get beaten on the line. He had second most interceptions in college football last year. He's an absolute beast. So I think with him, we don't lose the game. But our biggest problem was on offense. Miles Brennan isn't Joe Burrow. He's not aggressive. He is scared to get hit. And he can rip the ball, but he wasn't doing it. He just, he wasn't letting it go. He was scared. You could see he was touch passing a lot instead of whizzing it in there. And he, he was just apprehensive. He looked like a fish out of water. He looked uncomfortable. He looked like he hadn't had a spring game. Like they haven't had enough practice. And I, I think that really showed on the field. Whereas KJ Costello has played at Stanford, done very, very well at Stanford, despite some absolutely tumultuous uh, coaching situations. And it showed the experience out there. He wasn't afraid to let it fly. He didn't get tentative after an interception, and he didn't mind taking a hit every now and again. And that's why Mississippi State won. They had a better quarterback. They had a better defense, and they kept time of possession. They were fine with throwing checkdowns for five yards. Yet Miles Brennan had trouble finding like a safety valve every now and again. Held the ball too long. Overthrew passes. I mean, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't good either. You know, it. the, the problem Miles has is he's the guy after the guy. If you're going to follow and act like Joe Burrow, it's almost impossible. You don't want to be the guy after the guy. You want to be the guy after the guy after the guy. You need a guy in between because you can't compare to 60 touchdowns, the greatest quarterback who's ever stepped foot on a college field. You can't compare to that. So with the pressure and the air raid system and opt-outs, I mean, look, Terrence Marshall Jr. played fantastic. 122 yards, two touchdowns. Can't fault him. He's absolutely brilliant. But the rest of the team, the pressure on them, the air, everything just came together perfectly for Mississippi State. I strongly believe this is probably the only game LSU actually lose this year in the SEC. I strongly believe that because we've had an ass kicking. And if there's anything we come back from, well, it's an ass kicking. You've seen it in previous years. <laughs> 
So after uh, all that, you still think you, you're still going to go and win every other game? Yeah, not anymore. After everything you just said? Yeah. Okay. But only, only for the pure fact that I need Rob to write out a <laughs> statement. That, so just, just for the listeners, me and Rob have taken a bet in the WhatsApp group mm-hmm. that if Florida has a better record than LSU this year, mm-hmm. I have to read on this podcast a statement he prepared for me. And vice versa, if LSU have a better record than the Florida Gators. <laughs> Mate, yeah. I've already put, uh, I've, I've yeah. put a new ink cartridge in that fountain pen of mine. The nib's ready to go. You faxed that to me, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so look, I strongly believe we don't lose any more games this season. I don't think anyone else looked that exceptional besides Mississippi State. I think now they are the most dangerous team but the thing we did wrong is we didn't control time of possession mm-hmm. we had a lot of quick free and outs and it was painful to watch from coming from a year where we had a quarterback who was just letting it fly and hitting five six touchdowns a game it's a, it's a tough transition for me personally <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we didn't control time of possession which is the big reason we lost heap it on brennan doing terrible or cordell flop being exposed all you want or however good mississippi state were we simply lost that game because we did not control time of possession because there's no other way to beat the air raid system than controlling time of possession look at the cardinals Mm. they get beaten when another team controls time of possession washington state lost when they had time of possession controlled this is just the only way to beat it. On the positive side, um, on the positive side, though, mate, you, I mean, you've mentioned Terrace Marshall and also Eric Gilbert looked good. Um, so there's definitely, I mean, they're such a young side. It, it was always going to be a struggle. And I think if from, from someone who's, who's not LSU through and through like, like yourself, you can see it from the outside. So much change over this offseason. It was always going to be a struggle. I didn't expect them to lose against Mississippi State. I'll be honest, I thought it was going to be the tougher games. But it, it was just, there was so much not quite clicking. Um, but you look at the box score, Miles Brennan, 345 yards, three touchdowns. You, you know, it, it was fine. It, 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 Terrence Marshall, like you said, had a good game. 122 yards, two touchdowns. Eric, Eric Gilbert looked good. With Stingley, like you said, with Stingley, it's a different ball game. I do, I, I, I honestly, and for as much rubbish as I give you, um, I will say that you know, I think, I think you've nailed that one. I was going to add um, positives on the defensive side for LSU because I agree the secondary was the problem. Um, pass rush looked pretty good for LSU, really strong. Um, Jabril Cox, the transfer, really good game. Had a nice pick six in the game. Uh, Ali Gay as well, really, really good-looking pass rusher, and mate, Kieran will probably know a bit more about him. But um, just to add, what some of the positives were for LSU there, that defensive front looked really, really good. Yeah, Ali Gay is a uh, JUCO transfer as well. Guy's absolutely fantastic. Eric Gilbert, I've been singing his praises for a while because he's a tight end, but he moves like a receiver. He is the only ever tight end to win the Gatorade National Player of the Year at high school. That's you don't do that as a tight end, especially mm. in high school. Absolutely ridiculous. And like uh, what Rob said, look, Brennan wasn't terrible. But KJ Costello was something else. The biggest problem is, and this is why the team was so good last year, we lost 16 players to the NFL. So last season, we had 16 NFL players on the field. Guys who were starting in the league, a quarterback 
who despite getting sacked seven times, takes Philadelphia to overtime. A guy who despite getting sacked six times in the game previous, makes it very close with a good Cleveland Browns team and makes it very close with an average Los Angeles Chargers team. <laughs> it, 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 sorry, I'm just saying that because of uh, Tyrod Taylor. Um, I'll punch I even passed that, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we lost such a strong core of talent. Guys who were tearing up in the NFL. Patrick Queen, Christian Fulton, Joe Burrow, just Clyde edwards really We lost... We lost possibly a, a college team that, in some circumstances, probably could have competed with a team like last year's oh, Dolphins or last year's Bengals. I'm going to say it because 16 guys is enough. And no, it's not. We, it's not. <laughs> Lloyd Cushenberry is the best centre in the league. Don't can't argue with that. He's an absolute... <laughs> He's not even playing centre at the moment. So. <laughs> His arms are longer than a bus. That's hard to beat. <laughs> right. um, okay. we, we lost such a massive amount of talent and it's hard to replace that in a year especially at college especially when not every team loses 16 guys to the draft you can have 16 guys graduate and lose those 16 guys but when they go to the draft that means you are very talent poor at the end i'm sorry for going on but you obviously got a lot of a lot of things to defend because you've obviously given it out quite a lot in the few weeks uh, that oh, we've yeah. been doing it uh, this season but this is it so you you're perfectly right yeah you know you've lost a lot of talent and that is definitely contributing to you know a lot of young guys being on the floor i mean on the pitch sorry on the field and as rob said when he when he began that with what he said that it is it's difficult to overcome the thing is, the fans have got to have a different perspective on the next season because <laughs> set expectations accordingly. <laughs> Don't come on the podcast every week. LSU <laughs> 6 and 4. Lock it in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, it's, you know, it's a young season. Uh, and it's one game, and like you say, it's a different offense than you'll face like, most times, especially in the SEC. It's not one for spready offense I want to kind of give a bit of a shout going over to Mississippi State a little bit because obviously we've talked about LSU quite a lot um, I tweeted out from the Fulton Yard CFB account uh, talking about Kalen Hill player I uh, talked about in our preseason programs and a player that I was kind of looking out for um, really nice to see him kind of become a Mike Leach running back already you know with a lot of yards through the air after he didn't really do that in the, in the you know previously in his career so it's nice to see that kind of transition's gone gone really, really nicely already. And looking for him to have a really good season and really boost his draft stock in what is quite a good running back class, as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, has anyone got anything to say about Mississippi State before we moved on? Liam, you'll go on, you go ahead. I was going to um, give some props to that offense as well. Um, really likes the wide receiver play. So um, Cyrus Mitchell had a great game. Mm. Really good, tough tough guy to defend looks the part they got some Mike Leach has got in some really tall beastly wide receivers for that air raid it's going to be slightly different kind of air raid where it's not going to be all about yards after the catch they're going to absolutely launch up to the big guys in this offense there's a guy called Tyrell Shavers who's transferred from Alabama and I singled him out um when I was uh, uh, did a preview for the SEC mm-hmm. Which you can see at full time, uh, full-time.com. Which you can see at full-time.com. <laughs> and uh, I like the sound of Tyrell Shavers. He transferred from Alabama because of lack of playing time. I think actually he only caught one ball in his whole time at Alabama. 
and he was below Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Devontae Smith uh, on that depth chart. That's a lot of talent to be below. Cool. And apparently, six foot six can run fourteen four point three. That, that's a that's an athlete. And Mike Leach obviously got him in for a reason. And he had a touchdown in the game against LSU. He looks like a good player. Mm. Looking at some DK Metcalf kind of numbers there, aren't we? With this sort of build, size, speed combination. Kieran, um, you want to come in on some Mississippi State talking about the other guys, not your team for a change? Yeah, I, I, I want to give Mike Leach a lot of credit. He he never goes to a program that's winning. He never goes to an LSU or an Alabama or one of these teams that are consistently good and on top. He always goes to fairly terrible schools. <laughs> Mississippi. Yeah, I'm not not going to try and rip I mean, them too much, but yeah, last few years, I'll, I'll go with Mississippi it, yeah. State have been terrible. They've been really, really bad. And he's turned up and their quarterback's thrown 600 yards against the defending national champs. That's not something you do easily. And Washington State, terrible team before he was there. When he went into Kentucky, terrible team before he took over as offensive coordinator. He never goes to a team that's on top. And if he can turn this around, he's probably going to earn himself a lifetime contract in Mississippi. And people saying, can he work in the NFL? I don't think so. I think his personality is a bit too crazy. Players Mm. in the pros need a bit more structure um, than him. But look, he he did great at Texas Tech. He did great at um, Washington State. And I think he's going to do great at Mississippi. Do I think he's going to win a national championship? No. But I think they can be a contender for the Mm. SEC champions. I think they're a fantastic team, and that's down to Mike Leach. Yeah, he's zany, crazy, and wacky, but he is a fantastic coach, and I'm going to give him credit for the how great he's been. Very gracious of you. Yeah, they were. What was he saying after the game that he scheduled LSU because what was it? Someone remind me of what the quote the was. Packers, it... Dolphins, and Patriots are all busy. <laughs> I mean, classic Mike Leach. Um, you know, many a quote, a uh, very quotable guy. You know, down the years. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, we'll wrap it up there for LSU. Obviously, we'll be back. Um, we'll, you know, we'll speak about them quite a lot throughout the season, especially with this ongoing uh, bet, I guess, between yourself and Rob. Rob, let's talk about the Follow the Gators then. Obviously, the team that you've kind of backed and obviously saying in against Mississippi, we're playing Old Miss on the weekend. Um, start us off with your thoughts. I know we've got a couple of people who want to come in on this, but start us off with your thoughts about Florida. Yeah, the, um, the the best team in the SEC East and future Heisman Trophy winner, Kyle Trask, did very, very well. Um, <laughs> they, um, Yeah, it was a really good watch. Um, it was entertaining, not the kind of game for you, Lee, because you're the defensive guy. I, don't, I think you'd have probably screamed for some of these plays. Yeah, um, <laughs> But for an offensive guy, for a fancy guy, this was absolutely fantastic to watch. Um yeah, Kyle Trask to Kyle Pitts is a thing. Um, mm. Yeah, Kyle Pitts went absolutely nuts. Um, I'm just trying to pull up the box score. I think it was 140-something yards with four touchdowns. Um, 170 yards. 170 yards, four touchdowns uh, off eight receptions. And when you just watch him, it's just, he's just such a presence. And start with, in the first quarter, the Ole Miss Rebels, they, they were sort of, the two two linebackers were kind of shadowing him and they weren't giving him much in the first quarter. But then I don't know why either he just outdid them or they'd stopped and, you know, put their, put, put their stock in somewhere else, but he just went nuts. 
Um, and after the second quarter onwards, he was just, you know, he's, he's incredible. He's, he's almost NFL ready. He's got a little bit of sort of work to do on the blocking side of things. Um, but even then, he, he still looked pretty good. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just, I'm so excited for him in the NFL. Um, I really, really hope uh, the mock draft we did a few months ago rings true and he's in Indianapolis because I'd love to see him in Indy. It'd be great. Mm. Um, but other people that played well, uh, Kadarius Tony uh, had 55 yards on the ground and also had 59 yards and a touchdown through the air. Um, Trevon Grimes, other wide receiver, three receptions, 64 yards and a touchdown. Um, I mean, 416 yards from Kyle Trask, uh, six touchdowns. It was, it was a, again, it was just similar to uh, Dylan Gabriel. It was just a, seam, a seamless game, really. He played really well, uh, no interceptions. Um, yeah, Ole Miss... Oh, to be fair, Ole Miss weren't bad. I don't think. I mean, obviously defensively, giving up fifty-one points is never good. But offensively, I think Matt Corral looked good. Um, obviously, there was a bit of a camp battle in the off-season between him and and uh, John Reese Plumley. Um, Matt Corral got the start and has looked pretty good. Uh, three hundred ninety-five yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Jerry on Ely looked pretty good on the ground. Seventy-nine yards off sixteen carries. Average, not great, but. Again, given the ball, he does damage. Um, and the outstanding receiver on the day, Elijah Moore for Ole Miss Rebels, 10 receptions, 227 yards. No touchdowns, but he was just fed. I mean, I, I spoke about that in the UCF game with, with, with Williams, but this, I mean, he was literally everywhere on that field and taking things for 50 60 70 yards um just didn't get in the in in the pay dirt but um didn't matter um in the end because they weren't going to win that game because florida are much the superior team and probably the best team in the sec yeah, for sure. so, <laughs> got a couple of schools here so lsu and florida who claiming dbu but obviously giving a plot of air yards not the greatest start Andy, i'll come to you if, uh, you had your hand up throughout that uh when to talk about this game yeah, man. I, I mean, I agree with what Rob said. To be honest, I was going to come in on Ole Miss because um, I didn't think they were bad at all. I mean, like, like Rob said, they're never going to keep up with the, the high-powered uh, Gators offense, like uh, uh, like you like said. But I mean, they 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 only turned the ball over once all game, and and, and Elijah Moore was just uh, incredible, like fantastic uh, running. And like after a while, it was clear that like Corral locked onto him, but the, there was nothing the the Gators uh, defensive backs could do to to stop him getting open and getting the ball, to be honest. So, yeah, it was a really impressive performance there. But um, we, we, we had a little debate in the uh, uh, in the group chat, didn't we, about uh, Kyle Trask. And uh, I made a comparison to, to Josh Allen and, uh, and Kieran started uh, absolutely throwing his toys out the pram there. I'm sure he'll come <laughs> in, in a minute here as well. But uh, but it's that big arm and it's just the, the kind of presence in the pocket and stuff. I thought he looked really good. And um, uh, the, com- the commentators were chatting away about him making his case for QB4. Um, I mean, I think could arguably be QB3 by the end of this uh, season with the, with the lack, of, uh, lack of game time for the presumptive QB3. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I thought he played really well. Um, and I think he'll, he'll be one of the ones that take down LSU. And that's have only got to wait till the 17th of October for that, haven't we? Mm. <laughs> with the amount of change that's happened in, in quarterback in the SEC this year, um, obviously LSU... Um, 
and Alabama, you know, all the, some of the, have lost some of the top guys. I think Kyle Trask has he has got to be one of the, if not the best quarterback in the SEC. I'm, and I, I know I'm a bit biased because because I, I'm waxing lyrical about him all off season, but I genuinely think he he's got a, a really good shout of being that guy because I just think the competition is not that great at the moment. Just going to add um, my uh, appreciation for Florida, Kyle Trask. Um, he needs some consistency. That's all he needs. There was a couple of times last season when I think Florida thought, okay, yeah, yeah, we've got we've got someone here. There was a couple of really nice games. Needs some consistency. Um, also, um, the DBs got mentioned. I think the uh, Sean Davis ejection was massive um, for Florida. Um, I heard the, I think it was in the first quarter he was ejected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that made a big difference. Uh, as uh, Hel- um, Ole Miss's offense were always going to attack, and uh, they really do deserve props for what they did. But I think that the uh, Sean Davis ejection had a, uh, a hand in that. Yeah, for sure, Kieran. Yeah, um, obviously I didn't agree with the Kyle Trask, Josh Allen comparison, but I would compare him to Drew Locke in the way he he sort of he's good in the pocket. He's got he stands tall in the pocket. He's not afraid of standing in there, and he's got a huge arm. That dude's arm is scary. He can really let it fly as well. You see the way when he sets his front foot and turns his hips, he looks like he's putting nothing on it, but he is zipping it in there. Mm. He's an incredibly talented quarterback. Probably a first round, but more of a project guy, just as what we've seen with, actually, funnily enough, Josh Allen and Drew Locke. Maybe just some mechanical differences. Set their feet a bit better. Stop doing that one lead leg hop when they throw. Uh, And Kyle Pitts as well. You get him in camp, work on his blocking. First round guy, for sure. I think Florida, talent-wise, are probably the best team in the SEC right now. But uh, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. I obviously think the Florida Gators are probably the most dangerous team in the SEC right now. I think they beat teams like Alabama with Mac Jones, and I think they beat probably anyone but LSU. I've got to say that I'm an LSU fan. But honestly, <laughs> F- Florida Gators are probably a big lock for SEC champions this year because they look absolutely, like all bias aside, all rivalries aside, they look absolutely amazing. And with that as well, just even with the shortened season, Kyle Trask is on target to beat Joe Burrow's uh, season from last year. So, uh, you know, six touchdowns, 10 games, that's 60 touchdowns, brother. He's, he's coming for him, mate. You can see it. I just want to direct the conversation back to this uh, quarterback comparison. Andy, you obviously mentioned Josh Allen. Talk to us about what you kind of were seeing with regards to that. It was just like uh, uh, like Kieran said, it was, the, it was the arm and then like the standing there and just like, I just like the way he goes through his reads. He, he was like, if you watch Alan, he kind of like, like, you know, he's probably on his feet, he's moving from read to read and you can just tell that he's processing really quickly. And I just thought that was Trask uh, again at the weekend. You know, we're not the not the world's best uh, d- defense he's coming up against, but it, yeah, it was that kind of... Easy, easy processing of the uh, of the reads, and then just the just the bullet on it was just. Mm. He, when we've said it, we, we don't need to go over it again and again. But he's just looking like like a proper NFL arm strength there. Um, the the one the comparison like dies a bit when it when it comes to using the legs because he doesn't seem to be able to get out of the pocket uh, very efficiently and and extend the play that way. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if he can develop that at all across the uh, rest of the season. 
Yeah, it doesn't strike me as someone who has the kind of athleticism that Josh Allen does. And that's maybe where it does stay back towards someone like Drew Locke. I'd, I'm not sure I'm sold on either comparison completely myself, but both decent shouts, especially kind of talking about maybe the ballpark and definitely the traits that you guys have spoke about there. But, um, to be fair, I'm not one for comps anyway, to be fair. Um, I find it quite difficult to, to come up with them. Um, but yeah, no, good good points on all of them. So, okay, did you want to say something else about Trask or Florida? Yeah, I was saying the only reason I hit the Drew Locke and even the Josh Allison Josh Allen comparison is just because of how they look mechanically. Like Josh Allen's improved obviously in the NFL this year, but they he sets his front foot great, points it to the receiver, and he lifts he doesn't we saw Josh Allen a lot would drag that back leg, which would lead to him throwing some more inaccurate passes. But Trash actually lifts that leg up a lot more, which helps you get more accurate passes and bring your hips through it. I think mechanically he's great and that's why I compared him more to Drew Locke because Drew Locke early on has better mechanics than Josh Allen. We see Josh Allen's a lot better now. He lifts up that bag leg a lot more. He turns into the pass a lot more. But that's what I liked about Kyle Trask. He turned into the passes, used his hips, and and I think that's going to be a key to him being very accurate this year because you can see he's improved mechanically from how we've seen him previously. Yeah, it's one thing that I didn't like about Josh Allen. Obviously, his accuracy. I mean, he's still not super accurate, but he's definitely made strides. I mean, looking... Uh, for the first three weeks of the NFL season, Buffalo obviously doing well, Josh Allen doing well, looking like he's a different guy, really, to what we saw coming out of Wyoming. So, um, yeah, like you say, not um, out of the realms of possibility that someone like Trask or, uh, well, Trask can pull that forward and, and kind of become that player, you know, and, and, you know, like Andy said, maybe, you know, potentially uh, work on his athleticism, work on maybe just moving out the pocket in not even a, a kind of Cam Newton kind of way or someone like that, you know, from the big framed uh, quarterbacks that we kind of got maybe just looking to get some yards where he can kind of sneak out the pocket and make a first down every now and then, and that'd be really useful for whoever he goes to. But, you know, we, when we did our mock draft a few weeks ago now, we, we kind of spoke about this pick being a shock. What was it, 31st pick overall? After that performance, it's not, not looking too you know, surprising now if that kind of you know, developed into that, would it really? So that'd be a great shout if that, that did came down the line like that. I also uh, thought after that game as well, just with all the kind of restrictions on movement and stuff and with the virus, and it's just literally like just down the road from Tampa as well, isn't it? So I'm still I'm still holding out that as a as a good comparison. Like, scouts will be there. Nice comparison. A nice uh, nice projection. I like that. Should put some money on it now. Early early doors. <laughs> yeah. Though, really. so. yeah, definitely. Man. Get in there. Get in there. So um, you're going to finish off, aren't you? Talking about George Randy uh, to round out our um, main SEC games. Yeah, I mean, I switched uh, over from, I think, the LSU game uh, early doors to this one just because um, I, I'm like a fan of Felipe Franks and I want to see how that, uh, that went down. And, uh, and I was interested in Georgia's uh, quarterback situation, obviously, with the, with the late opt-out and stuff down there. And uh, it, was, it was actually like the first half was, was fantastic until, until Georgia stepped on the, on the pedal. Arkansas's uh, defence looked absolutely um like they could stop anything, to, to be honest, to, to, to start the game. But I think that was more down to the like, quarterback play of uh, Dewan Mathis, who just looked like completely out of his depth um, for, for the Bulldogs to, to, to kick it off. And then when Stetson Bennett came in, that's just when, when things reverted to, to what we were all expecting. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think Arkansas have had something like six quarterbacks across the last two seasons. And uh, you can see there's a couple of talented guys they've got uh, in the receiving uh, game as well, like Mike Woods and standing out particularly. Um, and, I, and I just thought it, for for the best part of 35, 40 minutes, it was it was a competition, and you could see that um, 
that the Arkansas had chances and everything like that, but but then obviously Georgia did step on it, and that fantastic touchdown from from Pickens to uh, to, to start that was was like you know that that was your kind of top guy um, without chasing the game and stuff this year. I think I'm, I'm quite. I'm quite happy to say Pickens is probably up there with the best uh, best wide receivers, um, or probably the best wide receiver in the SEC at the moment. If we're not counting tight ends, because uh, if not, uh, the, the guy we just spoke about might trump him. But yeah, mm. good game. Um, Arkansas not looking as bad as I thought, but then uh, when Stetson Bennett came in, uh, Georgia stepped on the gas and, and took it away. Really. Yeah, for sure. Go on, Kieran. Yeah, Arkansas ran the ball like 27 times which really shocked me. And that's including quarterback runs, by the way. You've got Rakeem Boyd, who's probably one of the best running backs in college right now behind Chubba Hubbard and Killen Hill. He's an absolute monster, and you don't feed him. Against Georgia, who, yeah, they're running back you, but you can still pound the rock against them and do a very good job. I'm going to give credit to Georgia. Um, Obviously, they pulled Dwan Mathis. They thought, seen enough. And, you know, young quarterback, this happens. We've no spring games and stuff like that happens. But Arkansas, what, scoring two quarters, they didn't put up any points. In the second and fourth quarter, they put up no points. But you've got guys like Rakeem Boyd, who you can give the ball to. And Felipe Franks isn't a bad quarterback, but he had an absolute terrible performance. 200 yards, one touchdown and two picks. That's a shambles. So I, I think Arkansas were just badly coached, honestly. I, I, it was terrible. They, they didn't look like a complete football team out there. It looked like I was watching Pop Warner. So, you know, I always thought Georgia were going to win, but I, I would have thought Arkansas put up more of a fight and made it a little bit more competitive, to be honest. I think they will as the season goes on as well. I think that, you know, that, again, no... Um... No preseason stuff, and Frank's just coming in to try and steady the ship. I think they will, they'll get they'll get better, and, and they won't be the the worst team in the SEC at all by any stretch of the imagination. They've got too much talent on both sides of the ball. But yeah, uh, interesting to see how Georgia build on it. Um, second half, they just look like a different class, and if they carry on with that, there's no reason they they can't be up there at the end of the season. Mm. Yeah, should have JT Daniels coming in shortly as well. Yeah. I think he got cleared um, in the last couple of days. So, uh, obviously, you've got a couple of guys who you've both mentioned uh, Stetson Bennett and Mathis coming in and playing a little bit for Georgia. Uh, probably their, their only appearance of the season injuries aside on it after JT Daniels kind of gets started. And that'll elevate Georgia again, probably. So, probably nice for Georgia just to get out, get out of a win. Arkansas, probably a bit of an awkward opponent, especially because, like you say, a bit of a maybe like a raised sort of level of talent amongst them uh, for this season in comparison with last season, especially, you know, Rakeem Boyd and Felipe Franks, two of the bigger names there for for the Razorbacks. So, yeah, Rakeem Boyd obviously didn't really impress with numbers-wise. Obviously, a couple, um, quite a few rushes, 11 rushes, not enough, as Kieran was saying, rightly so, but only 21 yards out of that. So, not the showing that you'd, you'd be expecting as, a, as an Arkansas fan. Um, so, yeah, uh, could be uh, you know, an upward trajectory for both teams, I would say, um, moving through the season. But, yeah, interesting game to start off with and two teams that we'll probably mention, especially because we like a couple of their, their guys, don't we, as we, as we move through the season. Excellent stuff then. Okay, so I'm really happy, to, obviously we're all really happy to see SEC football back on our screens on Saturdays. I just want to kind of run through a couple of the results in the conference. So obviously Alabama opening up with a win against Missouri. Uh, South Carolina were beaten by Tennessee. Uh, A&M beat Vanderbilt, obviously. And eventually Auburn overcame Kentucky after a bit of a, a, bit of a sticky start, really, um, with, with that one. And they just kind of come overcame them towards the end. 
And then a couple of results just from elsewhere in college football before we move on to our next kind of segment. Pitt uh, against Louisville, that was a close one uh, in the ACC. It was a pretty good game by looks things. Um, and Oklahoma State and Texas had wins in the Big 12 over West Virginia and Texas Tech especially. Texas won, obviously, like Rob said, not my favourite game. Lots and lots of points, well over 100 points in that one with Texas uh, taking it. Uh, 63 to 56 in overtime after some wild stuff late on. Um, my boy Sam Ellinger obviously putting up quite a lot of points, but obviously, like I said before, no defence in the Big 12 there. Have I covered everything there with results? Anyone else want to kind of shout out any other results? I feel like I've got everything else pretty App much. State covered. won. Yeah. That's Back a good to winning one. ways. Yeah. But it was Campbell, so you kind of expect nothing less. Yeah. I kind of, yeah. Concentrate on the big ones. Liam, go ahead. What, what else have you got for us? Uh, Cincinnati winning the AAC. Yes, I did. Oh, me. Rob was talking about um, UCF earlier. I think Cincinnati are going to be the team to push yep. UCF in the AAC. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think that, that, that I can't wait to see that game. I think that Cincinnati are going to be the team that will give UCF the big push in the AAC, and that was a big win for them against Army. Yeah, we were talking the other week, weren't we, when we were having a bit of a chat that the AAC is a really, really underrated conference generally. A lot of good teams. Got good teams. There can be some good games in that conference this season. Mm, as always, yeah. No, but yeah, you're right. I, I did kind of remiss to mention uh, Cincinnati there. Kieran, can I come one come on with another another game for us? I'm I'm, I'm not going to spend too long on it because I tend to get a bit passionate about these things. Just that Spencer Rattler's overrated, and he's a complete knob. So <laughs> forget about him. Oklahoma, you're missing. I don't know if we're doing playoffs. I hate Spencer Rattler, so. Guys, a knob. Yeah, we're going to do with him. Have fun with him sooners. We're going to have uh, some playoff predictions, I think, towards the end, aren't we? Towards the end of the program. Andy, you want to just mention one? Yeah, just because it's in our uh, winners and losers this week is the uh, the pit uh, pit win over Louisville, which was uh, two ranked teams mm-hmm. uh, there. And uh, yeah, it was a it was a bit of a um, defensive battle in the second half, but um, quite worth watching out for the for the pit touchdown that. That kind of won it because it's one of those ones where the defender thought he was down and he just got up and uh, and, and ran it in. I, I, I don't know how. I just don't get how you can be playing that level of sport and not just <laughs> ensure that they're down. But uh, yeah, it's worth uh, worth a watch and, uh, and and Kenny Pickett especially looking uh, looking pretty pretty good there as well. Mm, our boy, yeah. our, our boy Mikhail got injured though. Yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Three, threw three picks before we did as well, so it wasn't the. Yeah. He's also not called Mikhail anymore. Have you noticed that? He's yeah, he's changed, he's changed his name now to Malik. Hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I believe Malik is his nickname. I think Mikhail is his actual name. Malik is his nickname. And he was always called Mikhail. And then he changed it to uh, Malik. Uh, what, Malik. No, he was always <laughs> called Malik. Then he changed it to Mikhail. And now he changed it back to Malik, apparently. I don't know. Okay. It's a weird matrix of names, but it's Mikhail <laughs> for me. <laughs> so our, our feature, because he was carted off, wasn't he? So our yeah. feature of Malik Mikhail watch is actually going to be quite short-lived. We, we can move it over yeah. to Kenny Pickett now. Kenny Pickett's the new guy. Oh, Kenny, Pickett, Kenny Pickett's the new guy. Okay, yeah, I can go with that. <laughs> From Pickett, on, Pickett Watch. Uh, yeah, some fence joke in there, isn't there? For people yeah, want an opinion just say that you can't be on the fence when you're talking about <laughs> Kenny Pickett. <laughs> uh, it's too, not, too it's not a good name for a quarterback, is it? No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Uh, where are we up to now? Right, yeah, so yeah, obviously lots of results going down. Uh, Mikhail, Mikhail, Malik, not watches no more. We're now Kenny Pickett hype train. 
yeah, the full 10 yards college football podcast. So yeah, what we're going to do now is we're going to sort of move back towards the SEC. We're going to give some predictions. I know we missed our review, uh, sorry, preview week, and we're kind of doing this in a bit of review after one week. But you know, we're not going to miss too much. You know, like Kieran said, not all is lost for the teams that have lost um, in week one of the SEC. So um, we're going to give some uh, championship finalists, championship winner, and then maybe a couple of players to watch from each of us. And then we're going to give some overall, um, you know, college football playoff for some uh, moving forward for our kind of end of season prediction. So Rob, I'll start with you because you mm. kind of wanted to push this this prediction for us. Yeah, I, I think it'd just be good for us to. <laughs> uh, Kieran's given me the gator. Um, yeah, it'd be good for us to sort of put in our predictions for our top four, and mm. just every couple of weeks to see how it changes, how our uh, opinions change, how the results change our opinions, and and you know what it's going to be like at the end. So, thought it'd be good, yeah, for us just to stick in who we think is going to be in the top four. And I'll kick us off. I, I think it's. I think Clemson, obviously. Um, I think Clemson and Alabama at the moment are locks uh, mm-hmm. for this. I think it's the. Uh, third and fourth place are up in the air. Um, I do think Florida have got the edge. And just to, as it's our first prediction show, I'll put my homer pick in there. And I'll say that my Notre Dame fighting Irish are going to be in the fourth spot as they as they beat, Clem- they beat Clemson. And that then puts them into the playoffs automatically. And the Notre Dame loss then becomes fine for Clemson to go in as, as the fourth <laughs> team. So that, that's my logic behind it. Um, yeah, Clemson, Bama, Florida and ND. Nice one. Liam, who is your final four? Uh, I'm agreeing with uh, Clemson and Alabama. That uh, um, when the uh, Big Ten get going, we need to keep an eye on Ohio State, and uh, I think that they're they're going to be up there. And and Florida, yeah, I think that's going to be the four. Yeah, Big Ten's going to be a, diff- a, a different one, isn't it? Obviously, starting late to the party, going to be rising up the rankings quite quickly. Um, as those teams kind of rack up the wins, and it's going to be the usual suspects, isn't it, for the Big Ten? Um, you know, Ohio State, as Kieran probably doesn't want to hear. Um, so, yeah, I'll move on quickly to you, Kieran. Who is your final four for the College Football Player final? Or LSU final are not making it, Kieran. LSU are <laughs> not making it. They still could. My, my sound must have cut out. <laughs> um, uh, Florida, for sure, if they continue on their streak. Clemson because they're in the easiest conference in college football. Um, probably Ohio State as well. And probably a bit of a strange pick, just given how I've slagged them off. I think OU probably creep in there. Like I said, still don't like Spencer Rattler. think he's a knobhead. But OU have got some very good talent at that school besides him. And I think they can probably sneak their way on in there late in the season. But I think the biggest lock right now is Florida. Oh, right, okay. And that pains me to say, but honestly, Florida had the best showing of the college football season so far. We'll come on to we'll come on to a bit of SEC predictions after this, but just going on to the the, the Big Ten point that Liam just raised there. Do they have a handicap because only playing eight games? I'm getting a lot of nods. Yeah, yeah, I think I do, and I think, um, but I, I also think one loss is potentially auto out. If that makes sense, yeah, I, yeah I, 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 I don't think that they can afford to lose. If, if, and that's why I didn't put a high stadium because obviously, mm. if they win out, they're probably going to be in it. But they are just one loss away from probably not being in it. So I think that's it's a very fine margin. Mm. They have got a handicap; they're only playing eight games. They're going to be it's going to be viewed differently. But if they lose, I think they're out. I think if they do an Alabama, um, not Alabama, if they do a Oklahoma, 
Uh, like, like Kieran just said, Oklahoma can still get in this. They did it last year, exactly the same scenario. They lost to Kansas State. They still got in the playoffs and they knocked out Alabama. Mm-hmm. Exactly what Kieran's just said. It can happen. I don't think it happens if it's Ohio State losing. Yeah, I, I go along with that. Liam, uh, you wanted to come in on this one? Yeah, I, I agree. I put Ohio State in, but that's because I think they can go unbeaten and they can get in. But I think mm. one loss. Um, the other thing, uh, Big uh, 12 and Oklahoma got mentioned. Do you think that uh, the Big 12 are now relying on Texas to win out? Because I think uh, Oklahoma's loss, I think that's a big loss for them. I would say so, because I still think that Oklahoma are better than Texas. I don't have a Big 10 team or a Big 12 team in my final four that I'll give you in a moment for those precise reasons, because Oklahoma have already lost, and I still think they'll beat Texas, and then they'll both have one lost team. That's if Oklahoma don't lose again, or if Texas don't lose to other one, another team other than Oklahoma. And obviously... The Big Ten's so there's a lot of good teams in the Big Ten, you know, and everyone can get a slip up win when there's this shortened off season, weird off season, you know, starting late and things like that, people opting out. So I think it's a slippery slope for, for a conference that only has eight games, and you know, it's the same with the Pac-12. I'm not even thinking about putting a Pac-12 team in there, and some people will say that that's the usual case anyway. Uh, but they're only playing seven games, so it's it's even it's even it's even more difficult for them. Kevin, sorry, do you want to come in on this again? Yeah, just with what Liam says about Oklahoma making it in over Texas, I mean, I, even if Texas, by some miracle, only managed to lose one game, they'll probably have to judge it on score spread. And Oklahoma, they're just the scheme they have is they're just going to put up more points. They are. They, it's just a fact of the matter. Sam Ellinger's not good enough, I, I think, to put up that many points a game, and their running backs aren't exactly you know, top quality. Uh, I think Oklahoma's just got more scoring power. You know, whether I like Spencer Rattler or not, they're just a more talented team in terms of how many points they're going to be able to put up. So even if Texas only somehow manages to take one loss this season, I think they'll do it on score spread like they used to do before we moved to uh, playoffs. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think Oklahoma puts up more points. And for that reason, I think they sneak in over Texas, even if they finish with the same record. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see how it develops over the seasons when teams drop some games. Andy, sorry, we've, we've left you waiting here to deliver your final four for us. That's all right. I'm going to agree with most of you in, in Clemson, Bama, and Florida. And I'm going to throw out either Miami or UCF as the four spot. And I, th- I said it earlier in the, in the year uh, if any year is going to put UCF in the playoffs it could be this year if they if they roll Cincinnati and Memphis like they've rolled uh, everyone else so far then and that's going to be their biggest test of the season so uh, why not and the way Miami are playing um, I know it was only against a very poor FSU at the weekend but uh, they didn't take their foot off the neck at all and it was uh, and it was just brutal the way, the way they, they finished uh, FSU off so if they can carry on doing that see if they can uh, uh, give Clemson a game and Miami, Miami look real good, real yeah. good, good shot. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, I, I go along with Miami. I didn't have them too high in my preseason uh, preview, obviously, uh, but yeah, they look really good to begin with uh, to start the season off. You know, Derek King obviously is a, a bit of a weapon on the ground, obviously as well through the air. Obviously, got Brevin Jordan, who we're kind of missing out of our tight end conversation quite a lot, but he's going to be a good weapon for them moving forward. And, you know, they, they cause a lot of turnovers on defense as well, you know. So, uh, yeah, they've got a lot of lot of talent. And 
like I think we said, didn't we, a couple of weeks ago, healthy, healthy Miami, healthy Florida teams doing well is, is a healthy college football, really. And that's kind of echoed in, in my uh, final four, really. I think, you know, it's pretty much a clean sweep, isn't it, for Alabama, Clemson. And I've also gone for Florida as well after this weekend showing. And then I've also gone for UCF as well, because like you say, if they can just get going, um, you know, come overcome some big teams in, in or in, it's certainly from their sort of scale anyway, in terms of uh, Cincinnati and Memphis. And, you know, you've got a good, good body of work there that you're going to you know, put up some wins. And if you can go and beat in again, then this is the year. I think, that, you know, Andy, I think you were right on the money the other week when you said this. And I think that final four would be an interesting one for college football, you know, seeing Florida back. Uh, obviously, Alabama Clemson kind of there as staples anyway. And then if you've got UCF as well, I think it kind of writes some wrongs from the past maybe for them and, and gives a bit of difference. And you know, it's not always about just sort of allowing teams in there to be different, but I think it'd be good, good for college football to kind of see that, especially in this year. Um, so yeah, I'm up for it. I'm, I'm happy to put UCF there and sort of put my neck on the line a little bit with that one. Moving back then to our SEC predictions, I guess we did. We all have Alabama and Florida in the in the final four. There was that a clean sweep, pretty much for everyone. Was wasn't it? So that would then go in for that being our SEC championship game for everyone. So out of those four, give us give us a winner. We'll go around the same order. Rob, give us a winner out of Florida and Alabama. Um. <laughs> man that would be a good game I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, I, I think Bama I don't think Bama make the same mistake twice um, not, not making the college playoffs not playing so well last year I, I, I think I think Bama um, I think Bama beat, beat Florida uh, yeah Florida in, in a championship game yes Liam gives a, gives a winner agreement yeah, it's Alabama's to lose the SEC this season, as good as uh, the East Florida and Georgia can be. Uh, yeah, it's Alabama's. I think that uh, they'll get they got a couple of scores on on either of Florida or Georgia if uh, it goes that way, and that's the SEC championship game. Yeah, Alabama are going to win it. Mm. Kieran, any any difference? Are we going for a sweep? Florida. Mac Jones is a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Saban is done, and I'm not just saying this. Alabama didn't look good. I'm just going to put it out there. They didn't look good. They lost a lot of steam after last year. Lost a lot of recruits. Alabama are not. If if it comes to it in the SEC championship game, they don't beat Florida. I don't like. They've got guys like Patrick Sertain and stuff on the defense that are going to make it a lot harder for everyone. But I, I, if it comes down to it, especially by how they played so far. Florida kill them. I think they put them up like 52 30 or something. It'd just be a bloodbath. Big shout. Andy, which way are you going on this one? I'm going to go with Kieran, actually. Yeah, I reckon, uh, I reckon the Gators will, uh, will win that. Give, give them a bit of a steam, and uh, they, they seem to have got the, um, the uh, like they're in the ascension. Uh, Bama have always got to be the one that, that you know, they're the, they're the cherry on top of the cake for others to take down, aren't they? So if it comes to it, then you yeah, have the upstart Gators taking that one. I've got the deciding vote then, two, two, two on two at the minute. I'm going to go for Alabama. I mean, I, I mentioned this um, a few weeks ago. I think Alabama will, will win the whole thing. I think there is a bit of a dearth of talent in the SEC. Uh, you know, they've had a lot of players go to the league, as Kieran said. You know, and Alabama have that every single year. But unlike what we were talking with with uh, LSU, they kind of replace it all the time. And you know, maybe this isn't the greatest sort of vintage Alabama team, but I think there's certainly enough there. Um, you know, you've got Mac Jones who might not play the whole season, but uh, you know, there's going to be enough talent there for him to kind of play, be a bit of a point guard, I think, and play 
well on offense. And I think uh, defensively, I think they've always got talent on the side of that ball. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Alabama to uh, to kind of decide this one. But Kieran, you've got something to to say? Yeah, the SEC is the most competitive division hmm. in college football. And the the thing with Alabama and why they always do so well is because Nick Saban, like Bill Belichick, the greatest coach in history, is a very strong defensive mind. Mm-hmm. And Alabama play a lot of exotic pro style defensive um defensive schemes, like do a lot of cover two, tamper two, stuff that's very hard to beat. And it's very exotic and can give some younger quarterbacks fits. Mm-hmm. I think Kyle Trask, while I said he's a project quarterback, I think he has the talent to read defenses. Yes, he does make mistakes, but he has the talent to read defenses, make smart progressions. And he's not obsessed with the hero throws. He's not like a Carson Wentz guy who audibles out of everything and then ruins the game because he's trying to make every big play. I think he's happy enough to take a check down or a guy across the middle. And I I think that's going to be the difference maker against the team like Alabama, who are so defensively sound and run so many complex defenses. I I think he's the guy who can really pick them apart. And it hurts me to say this about the Gators because they haven't had a good quarterback since Tim Tebow. But they are a very, very solid team from what we saw. And if you do that well in the SEC, you're a very good football team. So I think they edge Alabama just on the basis that with the guys there, they're going to be able to pick apart the exotic defenses Saban puts out there. Yeah, no, I go along with that. I think it's going to be interesting to watch this develop uh, over time. Uh, you know, as, as Rob said, as the season goes along, and, and see you know where we change our minds and if if we do change our minds at all. But yeah, kind of a, a three three locks from all four of us. Uh, it's quite kind of a says a lot for the season to begin with, doesn't it? Where we where we feel like talent wise, um, two like I said staples, and then one real really strong performance from Florida, kind of making us all think that they're going to be in the, the final four come what may. So just want to finish off now with some just players to watch from the SEC. Obviously, we've kind of incorporated this into our previews for each of the conferences that we've done so far, that each of the ones that have got going so far. Um, just want to, want to take a player or two off you both, off you both, off you all, uh, just who you're kind of watching out for. Kieran, I'll start with you. Yeah, I'm going to not surprise anyone. Well, actually, I might surprise someone because everyone expects me to say Rick Keen Boyd. Uh, but I'm going to say KJ Costello because it's going to be interesting to see how, how he cleans up his game after against LSU. Obviously, he faced a very tough D-line, probably why he was forced into a couple of intersec- interceptions and a few sacks. He's very talented. The guy can throw the ball. We've, we, we've seen this at um, Stanford before, even with bad coaching. He was putting up fairly good numbers and looked like a great quarterback mechanically sound I said about Kyle Trask like sometimes drags his back foot and doesn't Mm -hmm. turn his hips into a pass KJ does that but he can throw off the back foot and he he makes some very good throws you see one of the touchdowns he threw against LSU put put it way out of the DB's reach and right into his receiver's bread basket the dude's hella accurate um yeah I I think he's going to be exciting to watch it's fun when you see a guy who's a very accomplished passer in a poor system get put into an air raid system because it always creates fireworks. Mm. But do you think you would get drafted after this season? Because these, uh, you know, these, these might these quarterbacks, they have a lot of production, but they don't often get drafted very highly. So 
Yeah, because we, we've seen we're like Gardner Minshew and Anthony Gordon. Weren't mm. really high draft picks, but I think the SEC is a different beast. Say, say this might be bias or whatever, but the SEC is known for complex, hard-hitting defense, and it's, it's sure. hard to put up a lot of points in the SEC unless you're playing, you know, like Arkansas or Vanderbilt or previously Mississippi or State. <laughs> Come on now, um, yeah, it, I think there might be a slight overreaction from coaches who might take him in the first round. But I think, yeah, I think, look, coaches overreact every single year. Tebow, first-round pick. Johnny Manziel, first-round pick. Terrible quarterbacks. Great college quarterbacks. Terrible NFL quarterbacks. I don't think KJ's a terrible NFL quarterback. And almost like Trask, he's a bit of a project guy because there are some things wrong with him, questionable decision-making, whatever, but mechanically sound. I think, honestly late second, early third for a team who want to like groom him as a backup. But I think probably a team like the Lions will overreact, snap him up in the first round if he has a big season. But I think second or third is honestly where he falls just for Mm -hmm. his talent level. Mm -hmm. Because I'm I'm not trying to... I would have said that him coming out of Stanford. But now obviously you get to see him move the ball in a better scheme. I don't think he goes higher than second or third unless a team, you know, overreacts. But, you know, oh, sorry, Jordan, Jordan Love went in the first round. So uh, anything can happen, really. This is true. This is true. Liam, who is your SEC player to watch for this coming season? I'm going to go defence. I'm going to say Dylan Moses from Alabama, mm. linebacker. Um, I, I was looking forward to watching him last season and then he got uh, done with a injury that put him out for the whole year um from what i saw of the bama game as well they were kind of easing him back in uh at the weekend um to start this season um but yeah he's the sec is really really deep at linebacker across Mm -hmm. the the conference and uh i think he's the best of the bunch and uh i think he's gonna the more that he'll play the more that uh, bama get him in uh yeah he's gonna keep making plays he'll lead uh, that defense, which, uh, as has been mentioned, Alabama are going to uh, are going to try and beat you when they're on on the field, beat you badly on defense. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's just a typical linebacker leader type of player. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. To be honest. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a it's a player that I think a lot of our listeners have probably heard of. But what what do you see in him traits wise that makes you really excited about him as a linebacker moving forward? He's uh, a chases the ball just everywhere like his range is phenomenal um from the center of the field sideline to sideline and there's a few uh comps like you mentioned earlier i'm not really a comps person miles jack has been mentioned the jags linebacker mm-hmm. um and he can be as good in the pros he looks he's obviously been coached well at alabama and knows as has been mentioned different systems um looking forward to seeing him seeing how well he can be, how good he can be this season. Yeah, for sure. Interesting that you picked like another player that suffered a quite bad knee injury in college as well with Miles Chapler. But yeah, no, definitely I'm excited to see Dylan, uh, Dylan Moses as well. Rob, I'll come to you. Who's, who's your guy you're watching in the SEC? Surely we're going offense here for yourself. Yeah, and I'll, I'll keep it nice and sweet because I spoke about him already as Carl Pitts. Um, mm-hmm. I want to see the blocking slightly improve. Um, I want him to continue scoring my fantasy team 45 points on the week. That was lovely. Thank you very much. Um, that'd be nice for the next few weeks. So, yeah, I'm keeping my eyes well and truly peeled mm-hmm. uh, for Carl for Pitts because I'm very intrigued uh, of where, where he's going to end up in the draft. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like you say, continue that uh, trajectory and it's first round pick all over, isn't it? As we, yep. as we predicted in our mock draft a couple of weeks ago. Yes. Yep. Andy, I'll come over to yourself for your uh, SEC player to watch. I'm going to go early in the deep sleeper uh, range nice. uh, following uh, two, two year, consecutive years where uh, um, South Carolina wide receivers have, uh, have been picked and gone quite uh, well. They, they've started the, the, you know, a lot of hype in Debo Samuel and Brian Edwards. I'm going to follow up with Shai Smith, who uh, had a big game at the weekend, um, 10 catches, 120-odd yards and, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, love him out of the slot. Uh, like shifty little guys played the backup kind of uh, receiver role and, and chain mover to, to to Edwards and Samuel for a couple of years. Uh, this is his year to shine, really. Um, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not expecting the world from him in terms of draft stock, but um, if he can continue to be a, a, a like a bright light like he was at the weekend, there's no reason why he can't shunt himself up onto a day two pick. So yeah, big fan of him. Uh, fingers crossed he, he continues upwards. Yeah, nice, nice pick there. Um, obviously, had a really good performance on the weekend against Tennessee. I honestly thought I know we didn't really talk about this player to watch amongst us before we came on, and I, I obviously really happy that Norman kind of repeated and had to uh, kind of swap out of their pick. But when you said South Carolina and you're talking about a bit of a deep dive, I did think you were going to take my guy there, and I didn't think anyone would. Um, obviously, when we did our mock draft a few weeks ago, we went we went crazy for corners, didn't we? And I think I picked uh, the other South Carolina corner that I'm going to talk about, Israel Makwamu. Um, I think it was in the first round. I can't remember exactly where I picked him, but it was late in the first. I'm going to go for JC Horn, actually, the other cornerback for South Carolina. And we, me, myself, myself and Kieran, we spoke about physical corners. And I think South Carolina have got a pair of them when they're watched, uh, you know, watching JC Horn on tape before the season. Uh, he's another one. You know, he, he takes charge. He, he reroutes uh, wide receivers coming out of the blocks. And he's just really, really physical. He'll go into the, the NFL uh, as a mid-round pick. I don't think I'll see him rise up too much. I think Makwami will be the number one guy uh, for the Gamecocks uh, moving forward this season. But he's he's a guy who's probably going to draw a few penalties, but he's going to be you know a good player in the league. He's, it reminds me a little bit of Jalen Johnson, who came out of Utah last year, another overly physical corner, who you know will probably draw a lot of fouls in the league, but has, has had a really good start to his NFL career. Uh, so yeah, my 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 pick is JC Horden. I think we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, that uh, Americans love bloodlines, and I think his dad played in the NFL as well. Um, uh, so yeah, he's my he's my pick. Kieran, did you want to come in on on a corner? Unsurprisingly. Yeah, yeah. What what's the one thing I always say, Lee, that elite corners have? Hips. No, the second ability to tackle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. We 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 know my jokes about hips. That's why <laughs> I, I lost my mind when Shakira played Super Bowl halftime. But hips don't lie. He's explosive and he can tackle, and that's what you need in a corner. No elite corners in the league can't tackle. Mm. Every elite corner can make good physical tackles and stop people even when they've got the ball in their hands. Yeah, for sure. I think we see that from both the South Carolina tackles this year and a lot of the others as well, as we, as we mentioned in our mock draft. So yeah, we just give you a bunch of SEC guys to look out for throughout the season, obviously both sides of the ball, which is really nice as well. And obviously, like we said before, we're really happy to see SEC football back. And also, a kind of side note, I know we've not spoke about COVID, but really nice to see the SEC actually you know, doing a lot about COVID and giving these guys these watches and uh, so they can follow the track and trace and things like that and hopefully take good action and, and swift action as well if any positive cases crop up because you know, it's, it's still you know, amongst football, it's still ruining football a little bit in terms of the scheduling and whatnot. So, yeah, nice to see the SEC kind of doing, doing what they can and, and kind of hopefully we'll, we'll have a, a, a lesser disruptive season as, as possible. 
So before we get out of here, then, uh, something I've been really bad at recently is, is letting you guys give out your handles and, and, and while you're telling us about what you're doing and tell the listeners where they can find you as well. So Rob, we'll start off with you. Uh, tell us mm. where we can find you and, and sort of anything else that you've got in the pipeline with, with Full Time Yards. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at FFBritBaller. Um, and yeah, I am going to shoot in about two minutes because I've got a fantasy podcast starting uh, at, the, at the top of the clock. So uh, so yeah, you can find me uh, anywhere on the full 10 yards. I tend to have my fingers in a lot of pies all over the place, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I must, I will just say, I, um, I said to my best mate the other day, I genuinely think I'm enjoying the college football season more than NFL season at the moment. Like, I, I don't know whether it's just because it's different because of everything that's happened this, this year. Um, but I am, I feel like I'm zoned in on, mm. on the college stuff. Really, really enjoying it. So uh, I think I made the right decision to stick with you, with you boys <laughs> on a Monday night and um, try and limit myself to the fantasy work. But like I said, I've got, I've got a podcast in 10 minutes, so uh, I won't be hanging around too much longer. No, definitely. Yeah, like you say, good, good to see you on both. And, you know, like we say, if we, if we listen to us here on the College Football Podcast, then head over to Dave and the boys. Obviously, Rob's there as well to listen to the fantasy podcast as well. Kieran, uh, what are you doing for us and where can we find you? So, this might not come as a surprise, but um, I, two days ago I started an article on Josh Allen because I've been very impressed. I know I tend to talk more about NFL, but, you know, I'm, I'm very, I like quarterbacks. They're a lot of fun, even being a guy who bases everything around DBs and secondaries. Yeah, I've seen a lot of good stuff out of Josh Allen. I kind of mentioned some in the podcast earlier comparing guys to him so within the next week or so you're gonna you're gonna have probably a, a good thousand words on Josh Allen coming out what I like about him what I've seen this season and you can find me on Twitter at DCCYT football might be changing soon but <laughs> I'll, I'll update you on that as we go but yeah look out for the Josh Allen thing soon and uh yeah just look out for that soon and if you want to come argue with me on Twitter about why I'm wrong about Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and stuff. You know where to find me now. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about Justin Herbert stuff in a minute. Um, but Andy, you're next up. Tell us what you're doing and where we can find you as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you want a Twitter argument, then just go to Kieran because like, I follow him. And honestly, like my whole time, I was just arguing with people who like I just wouldn't even give the time of day to. So. Okay. <laughs> I argue with racists way too often. So I, I'm on him. Like, I because of covid don't don't really have a job right now so uh got a bit too much time on my hands might <laughs> say that yeah um i'm uh, at aj more 21 um just doing our like weekly winners and losers stuff in the college uh, college side of things and obviously um running my dolphins pod as well which is uh, goes out every wednesday so yeah uh come and follow if you want some dolphins content uh, or uh, or college really yeah yeah, definitely you can get a double dosage of yourself. Obviously, our podcast drops on a Wednesday, so it does your Dolphins pod. So, yeah, nice little dosage, like I say. Liam, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Liam66NFL. Um, you, you can find uh, all my work there with uh, Full 10 Yards College Football on there. Um, my own uh, blog work that I'm probably going to start doing more of as soon as possible because it's going to be getting draft season soon and I'm mm. all over that and with the draft scouting as I have been for years and keep up with um, full 10 yards college football as well because I'm going to continue to contribute on there 
Yeah, absolutely. Obviously saw your SEC preview just before the season got kicked off in that conference over the weekend. Absolutely, yeah, go and read the SEC conference preview, definitely. Yeah, Thanks yeah, for, for the, sure. Uh, another plug, excellent. <laughs> yeah, we've got to do it, haven't we? And then, yeah, obviously looking forward to getting into draft season with yourself um, over the coming months and, and talking about some players as well. And for myself, obviously, we, we can be found as a whole at Full 10 Yards CFB. Come and follow us, come and you know, listen to our podcast and also the rest of the Full 10 Yards crew as well. Um, and for my personal Twitter, at Wakefield90. In terms of articles that are coming up for myself, obviously myself and Kieran are going to kind of go head-to-head on Justin Herbert. Kind of um, missed the starting good on this one, haven't we? Just obviously getting the start over the last couple of weeks quicker than we thought. But we'll uh, we'll dive into him nonetheless, won't we? Yeah, well, we, we both said it'd be nice to see a little bit of something in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I know we said we'd probably start it later in the season just so if he did start, we could gather some data. But uh, mm. some of my points have drastically changed after that Chiefs game. Been impressed, have you? He's good. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to jump the gun. He's he's no Joe Burrow or whatever, but he's good. He looks solid. I mean, to be honest, for a rookie, he looks very impressive. Yeah, I'm excited. As obviously as Chargers fans, everyone will know. I'm I'm very excited. I was a, I was on the Tyrod hype train, but happy for Justin now to take the reins full time, really, because he's been pretty good, even though it's been two losses so far for, for the young man. I think I've been. I- suitably impressed to let him let him start the rest of the way I feel yeah it's it's unfortunate what happened to Tyrod mm, if, of his course, yeah, definitely. if his lawyer's worth his salt that team will be the Tyrod Taylor Chargers by the end of the season <laughs> given what happened to him yeah like you say not not a good not a good uh, not a good situation for anyone to be involved in but you know you know just speaking to football and not getting into legal disputes or battles uh yeah very like I say very happy with Justin Herbert's play so far I think he's maybe uh, took us further than the coaches would, would have thought when it seems like they need to trust him a little bit more as time goes on but yeah I think to be fair as we, and we don't want to talk about the whole article just as we finish off the podcast but uh, some of my points as well my, my negative points that I was going to include for a bit of balance have kind of been been shown up as well but anyway we'll leave it there obviously as you can say we've, we've got a lot going on at Full 10 Yards College and Full 10 Yards as a whole and you can find us all exactly where we just told you really but yeah thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.